Story number one. In a crime-infested galaxy, a tomb robber and a professor hope to find the cure for a deadly disease. Written by Anti-Money Squandering. The man looked at the small center of the room, standing on an ornately carved ice with unimaginable lines and swirls. His spacesuit was fitted close to his body and a dull black material, but from the exoskeleton was adhered to the outside. A thin metallic structure emanated from his mid-back and down to the back of his calves, culminating in a pair of high-tech boots. This contraption held him upright as he stared at the crystalline table in front of him. An uneven diamond was laced through a similar symbols which surrounded him. He reached out with one gloved hand, letting his fingers gently trace over the indentations that littered the surface. They're meant to be here, he announced, his voice artificial and devoid of emotion, the words conveyed. Gods know all my research, all these years, they were meant to be here. His servos vibrated as his exoskeleton lessened slightly, allowing him to take a seat in midair. Their customary quiet whine was louder than the alien cavern, and he swung his helmeted gaze around more in desperation. There were side rooms, or at least the suggestion of such, covered in rubble or worse. He moved and rubbed his brow ineffectually through his suit. It'll take weeks. A beeping noise roused him from his despair as he looked up into the machine that hovered just above him, its body gleaming silver. It resembled a large disc with a cylinder on top, and from the cylinder the optic unit emerged like a miniature telescope. This was pointed at one of the obstructed rooms, and the man stood straight once more as the machine's beeping became more insistent. All of a sudden, the machine flew down closer to him, just hovering above his shoulder like a protecting hawk. As there was a slight blurring in the light, and where once there were rubble, there was now stood a gaping entrance and a large humanoid figure. If it weren't for the exoskeleton, he may have fallen to the ground in shock. Okay, buddy, the figure announced, taking a few steps forwards. Their own suit was far more bulky, serving as armor as much as life support. Let's not do anything rash. See where you are, the man yelled out, grateful now for the emotion-stripping nature of his suit mask. There was atmosphere enough in the cavern that his words would carry, though the gases present were not conducive to human life. He was grateful for that also, as he could feel the sweat collecting inside his suit. Or I'll instruct it to open fire. The figure paused, the large helmet swinging from the man to the machine by him. He breathed out a gasp of relief when he heard the booming laugh of the figure echo out in the chamber. That, I've seen plenty of those around, mate, and not one of them had a military application. Maybe some small-scale laces for excavation, sure. But not a gun like this. He continued to walk towards him now, hefting his own rifle that the man had failed to see initially in the gloom. It was an ugly thing, short and bulky. The figure walked right up to the man standing slightly taller than him, and used the barrel of the weapon to tap the scope of the machine. He winced. Yeah, and that thing there is what I think you intended to make me think was a gun. Well... That's a flashlight, ain't it? He breathed out, nodding, allowing his gaze to look at the stranger for greater detail. Their gear certainly had a military bent, but was worn, none of it uniform. 
A mercenary, the man exhaled, allowing his exo to relax more than into a half-crouch. Of sorts, the figure replied, nonplussed by statement. One of the finest tomb robbers in this portion of the galaxy, to be more exact. The man laid his hands on his legs, his gaze alternating between their weapon and the inscrutable faceplate, an obscured, black, blunt like his. This is not a tomb, he said, partly due to the lifetime of corrected people, partly because he did not know what else to say. The mercenary swung their head around theatrically, looking at the barren space they stood within. Well, there ain't freaking much alive out here, is there, mate? Except for you. And if we want to keep it that way, you'll just sit there all awkward-like while I get out of here. The figure paused for a couple seconds, as if the man would complain or retort. When he stayed silent, the mercenary gave him a curt nod and strode off. As they walked past, he noticed a small anti-grav sled being pulled along behind him, attached to it by a cord around his waist. There was a mound of items on the sled, most obscured by canvas. One, however, rolled slightly free as he could just make out the telltale glint. Wait, you can't, he shouted, arm outstretched as if he could stop it by sheer force of will alone. He snatched his hand back to his chest and quickly then a mercenary spun around, their gun now up and aimed at his chest. Very dangerous telling a woman she can't do something, the figure growled. Now, just wait here quiet-like, or I'll be forced to return the living number to this tomb to zero again. It's not a tomb, the man repeated, cursing himself internally as he did so as the gun aimed at him, twitched slightly. Sorry, but you don't know what you have here there. Oh, now that's very presumptuous, but you know the best thing about my profession. Most of the time it doesn't matter. You can always find a buyer, especially for some Xeno gems. They're keys, he blurted out, and the mercenary lowered the gun in surprise. The man looked at the alien table and then back, the words flowing out fast now. For the lock behind me, they're why I'm here. I'm a professor of xenoarchaeology from Rosenpoldowski University, or at least I was. But you have no idea what we have here. I've spent nearly my whole life discerning all of the findings and artifacts from the first sentience that I could find and they've let me here. The mercenary looked backwards briefly, to the opening that led into the surface of presumably her ship. She shook her head and looked back at the professor, her rifle now aimed at the ground. So, it's an FS tech. Well, thanks, prof. That'll add a few more zeros onto the asking price for these babies. Now, if you're done, I can use them to open locks. It's below us, a trove of first sentient treasure, the likes of which you've never seen. Even a sliver of it would be priceless. Well, priceless can be a problem sometimes, she said as she sheathed her gun and a mag clip on her thigh. What's your angle here? You open the tomb for me and we split it. What is that your plan? It's not a tomb, the professor answered automatically, missing the mercenary's annoyed grunt as he turned back to the table behind him. It's a facility, a medical facility, if I'm correct. What is down there could, would, revolutionize the galaxy as we know it. And if you brought back to the government or one of the families and sold it, patented it, whatever, you'd be one of the richest souls for light years around. The mercenary walked around until she was opposite the professor. The crystalline table now between them, she reached out an arm and hand and ran it over the structure before leaning out on it with both hands. Her mars waist aimed towards him. Well, that sounds swell, prof, 
But I still don't see what you're gonna get out of this, or why I should care, given that you could force it open to the facility. The professor stood up straighter, waving his hand as if to indicate that he was not a concerned. I just need to understand the technology. Well, what I actually need is to utilize the archaeotech, but to do that I need to understand it first. It is will take a long time to extract what you need. Just leave me down here, let me research it, let me use it, and you can have everything else. The mercenary stood back up, her head tilted slightly as she walked back around, her gaze pointedly taking in the form of the professor. Ah, now I see your angle, she said, her voice somehow softer now, even though the helmet's deep speakers. Something down there that can give you back your legs, right? The professor went to speak and then stopped, looked down at his mechanically hated legs as if he'd forgotten they were there. He slapped a part of the metal and looked back up, shaking his head. No, well yes, technically, but that's not why I'm... It's not what I want. You don't want your legs back. Well yes, of course I do, but who is it? The mercenary said in such a surety that the professor didn't even bother to try and deny it. He turned his attention back to the table. My daughter, she has rapid organ atrophy disease. She's walking the road, the mercenary said quietly, and the professor cringed slightly at the expression. It had come to popularity as more people succumbed to the illness, though it did not seem to be infectious. It was, however, currently fatal in 100% of cases. So, a sufferer of the disease, once diagnosed, began a short walk down the road to death. I have her in stasis, he said, ignoring her whistle of the admission, but I don't know how much longer. It's ludicrously expensive, yeah, I know, Prof. The mercenary paused, looking at the canvas that held her loot back on the table, and you think that we can actually find a cure for the road down there? The use of the word we was not lost on the man, and even in his sealed environment suit, he suddenly found it hard to breathe for a moment. His helmet was semi-transparent, so even though he couldn't speak, the mercenary still turned away at the sight of a few tears that had escaped. Yeah, I'm a tomb robber. I'm not a heartless android. She walked to the sled, patting the gun holstered at her waist. This works best with the deterrent, you know, though most times I never see another soul in these places. She hauled the sled over easily and lifted the covering, revealing the six crystal-like objects beneath. Each was carved identically and intricately, and she lifted each one carefully before laying it out on the table before them. She looked at each in obeying indentions before giving up and tapping the professor's shoulder. So what now, Prof? You're the brains, I'm the brawn. These all look bloody same to me. They would, he responded, not even looking at the artifacts and his machine buzzed down closer, allowing him to fiddle with the hidden control panel. There should be no discernible difference to the human eye. The machine turned its scope of the six crystals, and a screen slid down from below its flat body, showing the live feed of the camera. But that does not mean there is no difference. Our spectrum of visible light is marginal, even amongst the wider animal kingdom. Many can see ultraviolet, beyond violet as it were, and machines. Ah, uh -huh. they can be designed to see further still. He gestured to the screen despite herself, the mercenary moved to eagerly see that each crystal lit up in a different radiant color. He let out a short breath by composing herself. Okay, so pretty light show, what now? The table isn't glowing. No, no it is not, the professor said, already reaching out and carefully slotting the crystals into some pattern only he could discern. But those spirals are the symbols of the key. 
You can read those, she said, looking closer at the mad scramble of limes and curves that surrounded the crystals. I can make educated guesses, very educated guesses. An hour passed as the professor carried out his assumption. In addition to the cracked crystals being slotted in allotted places, the markings also denoted specific depths for each had to be adhered to in order to function. The mercenary had mostly left him to it after realizing that it was no matter of simply throwing the right one in the right hole. I have heard the road described as an incredibly aggressive form of super cancer, she said suddenly from where she leaned on the corner of the table. I guess that's accurate, the professor responded, preoccupied. So how do you cure that? Because we found out years ago that there is no cure for cancer. It's the cells dying, not a disease that you can fix with a machine. That is accurate too. So what? I mean, we might well find something to fix your legs. Are you hoping to extrapolate that out? Improve it with FS Tech? Very confident in your skills there, Professor. The Professor paused in the last crystal in his hands and stood up but straighter, feeding its weight. No, he said finally, it's not that kind of medical facility. I'll use myself as a guinea pig if need be, but the process would not be different for her than for me. The mercenary waited, drumming her fingers on the table, before sighing pointedly. The professor laid the crystal down and remained silent for a few more minutes. The mercenary didn't push him, sensing that this time he was simply collecting his words rather than being reticent to tell her. The machine he had with him flew down and gently bumped his shoulder, as if providing comfort as he reached out and patted it. She frowned from behind her mask. That behavior needed to be programmed into such a contraption. There is no cure for rapid organ atrophy disease. The tomb robber slapped her hand to her helm, a ringing sound. Yes, Professor, obvious, we've covered that. That's why you're looking for FS Tech. No, you don't understand. There is no cure, as in it cannot be cured. It's a failure of body and it's irreversible. The first sentient technology may help slow it down, but even that will not be able to synthesize the cure. It won. Then what are we here for? To give her a bit longer? No. What we find, I truly believe we'll give my daughter back. Prof, if you don't start talking sense, I'm going to shoot you and just take my chances with the final bit of the key. The professor ignored her, chuckling softly and lifting the crystal once more. Oh, this is just a, a key. Once below, we'll have to circumvent some more actual security measures. Think of the money. Just think of the money. The mercenary whispered to herself, her eyes pressed tightly shut behind her obscured visor. She opened them and pointed her finger at the man. What is down there? In short, a cloning facility. A what? My research suggests that this was one of their few cloning facility lies, and not just a cloning in the way that we have it now, where you can replicate an organ and transplant actual consciousness transplantation to a new artificial body. He was becoming animated now, waving his hands and the crystal around as he spoke. See, my daughter will die. That I have to come to realize. A body once afflicted has no chance of recovery. So in order for her to live again, her old body must die, but I must give her a new one. Silence reigned in the cavern for a long period, the professor doing some final study of the last key. The tomb robber was trying to digest what he said. She looked up at that metal machine hovering silently as if they wouldn't hold any answers. I can't. I mean, how would you even do that? And their biology. 
What? Little we know. Surely it's not compatible. How can you... I have suspicions that it is, the professor mumbled as he worked. Enough, anyway. Enough to create a suitable host body. He paused. The final crystal held within his gloved hand and he looked up at the mercenary. You might want to hold on to something. Why? Because I finally worked out the last. He reached forward and slotted the crystal precisely into place, aided by his machine shining out measurements. There was a loud click, almost deafening in the cavern and the whole intricately carved dais. They stood on suddenly and unbelievably smoothly began to move down through the floors and further into the core of the planet. We're about to go somewhere no human has ever gone, he yelled as they descended, the walls around lit by some unseen force. Some, having transported sections and showed large, darkened swaths of corridors within. Isn't it exciting? Sure, Prof, the mercenary replied more quietly, her hand reaching down to grip the butt of a gun. Exciting. End of story.